You're listening to the Creating Your Own Path podcast, episode number 59. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jen Snyder, and as always, you can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast app. You can also catch a new episode each week at creatingyourownpath.com. I am so excited to introduce today's guest, who was referred to me by Grace Bonnie and Julia Tertian. You can listen to their interview by heading over to episode 57 if you haven't already checked it out. It's a good one. I needed some recommendations for people to interview in Philadelphia, and when they pointed me in the direction of Clancy Miller's work, I knew I had to reach out to see if she'd come on the show. Luckily, she said yes. So today's episode brings me to Clancy's family home in Philadelphia, where we talked about everything from her professional training as a pastry chef to the lost art of informational interviews. During our chat, we talked a lot about her very long journey uh, to becoming a food writer and the process behind her forthcoming book titled Cooking Solo, The Joy of Cooking for Yourself. I just love that she decided to tackle such a fun and interesting look at cooking because I've just experienced a whole lot of time spent alone. Uh, There's just something really special about treating yourself to a solo date, whether you are single or not, and cooking a great meal for yourself is something I think I'd like to aspire to. I know you'll all get a lot out of this one, so let's get to Clancy. Hi, Clancy. Hi. Thank you for letting me come to your space here in Philadelphia. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Well, so I want to start at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Okay. Um, I'll start from college. That's perfect. That's kind of, that's basically, I, I, so I went to Columbia University. I majored in history. I was a person who really was happy to be in a liberal arts place and basically figured my job is to just take classes and whatever's interesting to me. So majored in history, minored in African American history and French. And basically when I finished college, I had no clue of what I wanted to do. And I decided, okay, this is going to be an adventure for me to kind of figure things out. And I've always had a love of language love of French in particular. And so I wanted to figure out how I could use what I had been studying, history, political science, languages. I had studied abroad in France. So I decided to work for um, a non-governmental organization in Philadelphia called American Friends Service Committee. And um, I was doing research on uh, Palestinian refugees, and I had studied Arabic, so it was cool because I got to kind of occasionally use that. But meanwhile, I knew that, okay, this isn't necessarily going to do it for me. It was interesting to, you know, I got to go to a conference at the UN and speak with really interesting people, but I felt like, okay, there's more that I need to be doing. So I started taking lots of classes, cooking classes, dancing classes, took a class on making documentaries and um, the cooking classes were most interesting to me and so I thought about going to culinary school played around with that for a little bit um, looked at different culinary schools but in the meanwhile I was in the meantime I was also applying to grad school for maybe an international relations program Um, and then I came upon an ad for front of house staff at Fork Restaurant here in Philadelphia, 
And I thought, oh, it would be really neat to work a restaurant. And it was actually front of house and back of house. And I applied for kind of whatever in any position I could. And I somehow got a meeting with the chef. And she's like, you know, you're really underqualified for all of these positions. But if you'd like to apprentice, we'd love to have you on the weekend. Which was perfect because I could continue working regularly during the week and just kind of dip my feet in. And I loved it. I fell in love with prepping food. I was basically kind of a prep cook or a sub-prep cook. Sure. And, yeah, it was the best thing ever. I'm not a morning person, and I would, like, wake up at 7 a.m. or whatever to get there on time, spend the whole day there. And um, that really informed me that, okay, I love food. And the chef told me from the beginning that if you love food, or if you love cooking, or if you want to work in a restaurant, you don't have to go to culinary school. However, mm. if you're in, if you want to be a pastry chef, if desserts are your thing, you should consider culinary school. So that's when kind of the wheels started turning, and I thought, oh, I can combine my love of France with my love of food and go to culinary school there. So I did research. Um, of course, I had already known about Le Cordon Bleu, like Julia Child went there and of all course. that good stuff. And um, I took a trip there, and that kind of sealed the deal. It also, oddly enough, ended up being less expensive to go to school there than it was to enroll in some of the programs I had looked at here. Really? Yeah, and I was already paying student loans, so I thought, I don't want to... If I can avoid you know, having to do that whole thing again, I will. Right. Um, so yeah, I actually ended up getting a second job, saved a whole bunch of money. I was living at my parents' house and yeah, it just kind of, I was able, oh, and I got a really small scholarship from the James Beard Foundation uh -huh. specifically for baking students. So yeah, so I enrolled in the, uh, it's the Diplôme de Pâtisserie. Uh, it's a nine month program. And it was heaven. It was absolute joy. And then after Le Cordon Bleu, they set you up with what the French call a stage, which is an apprenticeship or internship. Okay. And I was in a bakery, um, a very dodgy bakery, where the <laughs> bread baker would... He's the nicest person. I met him on my first day, and he was just like, oh, you should open up a bakery in New York, and I'll come and work for you. Oh, wow. I was like, all right, this is my first day, but thanks for the thumbs up. And then, confidence like, in you. Yeah, he was really great. But then five minutes later, I'm, like, prepping a tart. He comes into the kitchen with only underwear on, and I'm just thinking, <laughs> what's going on? What? And he was getting ready to shower in the kitchen because that's – how they did it. Oh my like, god! It was just like this is there's something terribly wrong with this whole scenario. But anyway, it was mostly a really fun experience, and he was a great guy. It was just they lacked a proper shower uh -huh. thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I was there, and then thankfully a friend was at this amazing three star restaurant, Taiwan. She was in their pastry kitchen. We had both been at Le Cordon Bleu together, and she said, you know, you should come and visit spend a day, like stage for a day. So I did that and the pastry chef was like, oh, you can come back. You can stage here if you want. And that was the best ever. So I, after my um, pâtisserie mm -hmm. stage, I went and worked at Taiwan 
into a pastry kitchen as a stage as well. Okay. Or stagiaire. And, um, yeah, and that was, that for me, let me know that, oh, I have to be in Paris for longer. Oh, um, darn. Yeah. <laughs> shoot. Um, so I, zut <laughs> So I was there, I ended up being in Paris for four years. And I loved working at Taiwan. It was amazing. But it was also very grueling. In ter- I mean, I think anyone who has ever worked in any kind of restaurant kitchen knows that it's really long hours. You're on your feet the whole time. And I loved it, but I also felt tired all the time. And I felt like, oh gosh, I don't really want to feel this way. So I started writing about food. And I also started thinking about what other ways can I be involved in the food world without necessarily being in a restaurant kitchen, even though I feel like a lot of my training has gone towards that. So um, at the same time, Le Cordon Bleu in Paris was looking, recruiting someone for their recipe development team. So I applied for that job and got it. And that was great because it taught me about writing recipes. I was working with the chefs. I was, you know, being exposed to a different angle of food, like not just from a culinary educational way, but just in terms of literally how recipes are created and how you um, kind of make information clearer for people who are learning, um, which came in handy for me for my cookbook. Right. Um, so basically at a certain point, my visa was ending. So that's kind of how I ended up back in the States. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was in Philadelphia and came back immediately to Philadelphia, stayed in Philly for, you know, I'm blanking. I probably a year, okay. like one to two years. Philadelphia has always been like my my in-between base. Yeah, sure. Um, and as much as, like, I grew up for a lot of my childhood here. Um, so Philly for one to two years, and that I started taking a food writing class at the French Culinary Institute. And I was blogging hardcore at the time. And I started really interviewing a lot, of, a lot more people. I met this chef, Marcus Samuelson, in New York, who at the time was at Aquavit, and he was coming out with this great cookbook on um, Soul of a New Cuisine, which was on the cuisine of Africa, and he was doing a press junket mm-hmm. tour in Ethiopia, and he invited me to come along with some other writers. Wow. So I went and had the best time ever, and he was really kind and was really just a positive influence and kind of opened up his Rolodex and was just like, you know, these are people you should talk to. You should be in New York. And so that's how I ended up in New York. I then went to work for a, a weird area of food, kind of like food PR. I don't want to call it weird, but, um, I understand what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to go from the kitchen to like promoting restaurants, but it was very cool. Um, I just wasn't good at it. <laughs> Yeah. But I continued to write freelance about food. I kept my blog going. And um, I also started ghostwriting. Oh, okay. I should probably back up. At the time, I had also been doing a series of informational interviews. That probably lasted 
maybe a year when I came back from Paris, I really just kind of wanted to get my bearings on the food scene sure. in this country. Sure. So I started, and this was with the help of Marcus Samuelson, started reaching out to people, just not necessarily to ask them for a job, but to ask them, you know, how did you start? You mm-hmm. know, so meeting with magazine editors and stuff like that. Um, and that's actually how I ended up in food PR because one of the editors I met with said, you know, people hold on to these jobs forever. They're highly sought after and, you know, there are but so many of them. Right. Um, but if you really just want to get to New York quickly, maybe consider food PR. And then another person I spoke to, a journalist, said, maybe consider ghostwriting. Like, that's how I start. She's now at the New York Times, but she said that's one of the things I did early on in my career. So that's how... I ended up getting an agent because the woman who suggested working with chefs on their cookbooks also recommended me to her agent. I sat down with her, um, Jane Distel, and she was amazing. Our first meeting, she handed me a project. What do you think about this? So that was kind of, I was a little, it was kind of off and running. Yeah, that's Um, amazing. Yeah, it was really, really great. So between working on my food blog, you know, kind of, trying to accumulate clips and stories, Mm -hmm. writing about people, and then, you know, dipping my toes into the whole ghostwriting thing. That's kind of how I started out. Okay. And so with the ghostwriting, so you were primarily helping with cookbooks? Um, At first, I was helping with the preparation of book proposals. People who had really not had any experience Mm -hmm. writing or presenting their food. Or wine, because actually my first project I was working on was a wine book that unfortunately didn't get published. But, you know, it was a great experience for me because I got to develop the proposal. Right. Um, And so that was kind of my training ground. So food and wine. Okay. Basically. Okay. Yeah. And so I worked on some projects with Marcus as well, contributed to his Soul of New Cuisine, actually the foreword, not the bulk of the cookbook. So, yeah, that's kind of how I first started. And then um, I basically, it's been a long, this, I'm like making it sound like it was a two-year or yeah. three-year thing, yeah. but it's actually been easily eight years. And see, I think it's good to hear that. Yeah. And um, there, you kind of touched on a couple points that I want to like suss out a little bit. Sure. Because you talked about reaching out to people for informational interviews. Mm-hmm. I think... I don't know if that's a lost art, but it's such a good idea to do things like that. I mean, I could be better at that for sure. Just to see, I mean, it's part of the reason I started this show because I love talking to people about how they got started because it's not right. always the path that you think it might be or um, or that it's not somebody else's journey either. So yeah. what somebody else did, how they got started, looks it will probably look different than how... You, your path ends up, you know, Absolutely. shaping up. So um, I think that's an amazing point. And you got so so much out of it, it sounds like. Yeah. Just so much information and, con- you know, people, different contacts and valuable totally. experiences. Yeah, it's really, I have to say, it was one of the most exciting times in my life, oddly. Because on the one hand, I really did want a job. Right. On the other hand, I knew the whole point of information. My mom had plugged this into my head. She's like, it's not about asking for a job. It is about building relationships and actually learning from people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was super fun. I literally, 
in some cases, you know, I would say I was referred by so-and-so, but I also just did a chunk of emails just cold and I was also guessing people's email addresses. Sometimes you have to. Mm -hmm. I was writing to people. I think I wrote to some people at Vogue, like people at the New York Times who I didn't know. And I was just like, all right, what permutation of their last name? But (laughs) what was really amazing is that so many people, including probably less of the people who I sent cold emails to, but Mm -hmm. anyone who I said referred by, you know, Marcus, amazing response. Right. All these people sat down with me for a minimum of 20 minutes. One person took me out to breakfast, like a three-hour breakfast, and literally told me her entire story, um, how she began pretty much from A to where she was at the moment. Um, I think it's so valuable. Just ask people, because especially if you're not really asking for something like a job, Mm -hmm. people are so generous. They are. So incredibly generous. Yeah. I, um, I was speaking with somebody else, um, it's another interview and we talked about how sometimes it's hard, uh, when you work for yourself mm-hmm. to give up that time. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's interesting cause there's, I think there's two sides of it for sure. Um, cause I know I find myself, I'm like, I don't know, I don't have any time to go to coffee. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, but here's all this information. Right. I hope it helps. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, um, so I'm, I'm finding myself in this weird balance of, I really want to help people. Right. But I, I can't, like coffee ends up being two hours and then, sure, sure, sure. um, cause I love talking to people and I just can't stop. Yeah. And so, um, do you find yourself now in that position at all where, where people are coming to you and saying, Hey, how did you get started or anything like that? Um, a little, I think it's starting literally now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Within maybe the past month or two, I, um, I've been a hermit basically working on this cookbook yeah. for, Definitely, I would say two years. Like, okay. With, you know, with the exception of some vacations. Yeah. And, you know, I'll kind of have some social times occasionally. But, yeah, I've totally been a hermit for approximately 24 months. <laughs> um, but, yes, sometimes people ask me, you know, I can't say I've had a lot of requests, but I've had some. Right. And I am now in a place in a space where... I feel much more. You can come out from yeah. hiding behind the, the exactly. book. Exactly. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's a, a books are a huge project, so yeah, um, no sometimes sure. you have to kind of hunker down a little bit. So speaking of what you're doing now, I'm curious, and I, maybe we can talk about what a typical day looked like when you were writing your book versus a typical day now. I'm, I'm curious what kind of what the makeup of your day looks like. So whether are you more often writing or are you cooking? Are you developing recipes? Like how, what's the breakdown of your typical day? Okay. Well, here's a big chunk of my typical day. Cause I actually work, um, in fundraising uh-huh. as like my like full-time job. Sure. I'm really lucky in that I can work off site. Yeah. So my typical day involves making sure I'm on top of, I write a lot of proposals and stewardship reports. So just making sure I'm on top of whatever projects I need to attend to for my office job. Sure. Um, and sometimes that entails my, I work in New York, but I can work off site here in Philadelphia. So sometimes I'm going to meetings in New York. Um, so there's that. And then 
I really like to start my day. I like to get food stuff done sometimes really early in the morning. Um, and then a lot of my food writing and food preparation stuff happens later on in the day. Okay. So I might take a lunch break and do like an Instagram thing because my editor's really strongly encouraging me to post every single day, which sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. <laughs> but I like to, I don't know, carve out time when I'm actually preparing a meal for myself to like have that moment. Um, and then there's editing. Like most recently there's just been editing. There hasn't been intense writing because the manuscript was actually turned in kind of a while ago. Sure. Um, but during the actual writing of the book, I was getting in as much food preparation as possible because I had to test recipes. Yeah. So there's the, I would say there were three phases of writing this cookbook. There was the kind of inspirational phase Mm -hmm. of just coming up with recipes, trying them out on myself, trying them out on my friends, like having brunches or waffle parties or whatever to just kind of like serve people eight recipes and get their notes. Um, Then there was the phase of intense recipe testing to figure out, okay, how can I make this better? And then, you know, also trying it three different times, like cooking it precisely as I've written it three different times to make sure it comes out right. Right. Or adjusting it if that needs to happen. And then, and I have to say I would probably do this differently on the next book, then I started writing the kind of, Oh, okay. Like really putting the stories to the food, writing the head notes, Mm -hmm. and really making sure that the instructions are clear. I think doing it again, I would still, you know, the creative inspirational phase is really fun. Um, But I think I would do more writing while actually testing the recipes. Okay. Because for me, it, it, it meant that I ended up saving the writing kind of for last. Right. Um, so it felt harder. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's how, that's how it worked before. So before my typical day would be like, okay, make an amazing breakfast. that's going to be in the cookbook. All right, go to work. Then make an amazing lunch. That's going to be in the cookbook. All right, get back to work. And then for dinner, like after five, like literally from five to midnight, all writing or all wow. cooking. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty intense. Yes. <laughs> For two years. <laughs> exactly. Now that the book is like done-ish, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, will, what will a typical day look like for you now? So now um, we're doing last minute, not last minute. Um, like final. Exactly. Final tweaks. So I just... Last week received the second pass pages for the cookbook, and so those are the layout pages. Those are on the table. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. Um, thanks. I'm very happy. I consider them like son- ultrasounds of my baby. <laughs> yeah. This is exactly what my baby looks like. It's beautiful. Um, so I got those pages last week, and they're the exact layout what the book will look like. Um, and at this point the book's been proofread and everything, but they're just little tweaks. So I spent probably the last week doing that. And so now a typical day is just going back and forth with my editor or my editor's assistant to say like, 
um, here are my notes on these pages, and then they'll respond and say, what do you think about this? And I'll say, okay, that's great. Or we've decided to do this. Are you okay with it? And, you know, I say, yes, I'm grateful you are publishing my book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds and, good to me. Yeah. So just, you know, adding some things to the acknowledgments. Um, it's not, it's very time sensitive, but it's not, uh, there's not a heavy load. Right. It's not as intense as that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm curious, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. If you're feeling stuck or... Um, you need ideas for that great breakfast that needs to be in the book or what, what have you. Um, where do you usually turn for inspiration? Um, I have a big answer and a, like several little answers. Okay. The big answer is that I really love to travel. Mm-hmm. So I um, will take a trip. Okay. <laughs> like last summer, it had felt like a very grueling year. Um and I wasn't really stuck on the book, but there were some, there, it was kind of a, I, I don't know, I guess it would qualify as a, a semi-stuck moment. So I just felt like, you know what? I need a trip. I've earned a trip. So I went and visited friends in Italy. And that, anytime I travel, it just kind of gives me major inspiration. Or, you know, first of all, it refreshes you. Yeah, it kind of fills um, you up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I've lived abroad on probably three different occasions and that always I just like to be in different places and hear different languages and kind of I don't know have a new perspective mm-hmm. um so yeah that's my like big baller way of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> getting unstuck yeah but when you know you I don't do that like on a weekly basis <laughs> um I like to read magazines read books um I love going to the movies Sometimes a long walk will do it. You know, I think a lot of times it's just about getting out of your head, or for me, um, to remove myself from whatever it is that is troubling or that I can't figure out and literally get a breath of fresh air or, you know, just kind of read from a whole... I mean, thus the magazines, like because you can get a whole bunch of reading done quickly sure you know what I mean but reading for me almost anything not almost anything but things that are interesting to me sure um that kind of can give me a little bit of inspiration and then yeah the movies oddly enough like because I like stories and I like thinking about food and narratives and Mm -hmm. so just kind of exposing myself to some different kind of narrative yeah I also like to dance so Okay, yeah. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think, um, like you said, getting a breath of fresh air, but moving your body is yeah. a good way to get out of your head because yes. you're not thinking about whatever it's, is troubling you at that point in time or getting into a narrative that doesn't have anything to do with maybe your cookbook or whatever project you're working on. Totally. Um, it's a perspective shift, like you said. Yeah. So I like that you have a big way and, a, and small ways because that's yeah. uh, probably a little bit more sustainable to, you know, I wish we could just all go to Italy once a week. But Weekly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because the food. So 
I want to talk a little bit more about the book. Yeah. Because, you know, you talked about kind of the, the process of it, but I want to know what people can expect from it because I love the concept of it. So can you talk through the concept and what we can expect when it's coming out, all of that good stuff? Absolutely. Okay. So the book is called Cooking Solo, The Joy of Cooking for Yourself. And it's semi-self-explanatory in the title. It's a book for people cooking for themselves. It's literally my... I'm, aiming it towards people who are single or people who are living by themselves. And I've been cooking for a really long time. So the inspiration is both my cooking experience for myself and then also having followed and enjoyed dozens and dozens of cookbooks. But, you know, they're always um, serves four, serves six, serves eight, which is great when you're actually cooking for four friends, six friends, your family, whatever. But um, when you're cooking for yourself, it can be a little tiresome to have the same meal for, you know, the entire week. Right. Um, it gets old. So I figured, why not do a cookbook with cool and easy recipes for people who are on their own, who maybe aren't cooking every night of the week, but, you know, occasionally want to cook for themselves, but don't want to necessarily have major leftovers for, like two, three, four, or five days. So it's single, kind of single servings. Okay. The concept. There's one chapter, because I didn't want to be depressing, on um, entertaining your friends. Okay. Because when I, I first thought, like, oh, this is brilliant. And then I was like, I definitely have to include a chapter on, like, yes, you have a social life. <laughs> like, feed your people. Yeah. Um, right, right, right. So, yeah, it's all geared towards um, kind of the single home cook. And it's based, uh, the chapters are broken down into breakfast, lunch, and the, what I consider the dinner chapters are, um, there's a chapter on vegetables, you know, if you're vegetarian, I'm not, uh, meals with meat, and then a seafood chapter, then the chapter entertaining your friends, and then desserts. Okay. I'm a trained pastry chef, right. so I feel like I've got to, like, yeah, you have to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, it's really exciting, and it comes out in the spring? March 8th. Another inspiration for this book, beyond my, you know, own cooking experience and desire to, like, have something for single people to cook from, is that single people now outnumber married people. Really? Yeah. I that, did not know that. Yeah. A huge bit of inspiration came from this article I read by Eric Kleinenberg. And he wrote this book called Going Solo. Mm-hmm. I think it's Going Solo, The Unexpected Pleasures or Unexpected Appeal of Living on Your Own, something like that. And he's a sociologist at um, NYU. And the, this article that he wrote based on his book basically talked about how, for the first time in the history of this country, there are now more unmarried people than there are married people. Wow. And um, he then went on to talk about how it's a global trend in that Apparently in Scandinavia, maybe specifically in Sweden, it's like single people make up 60% of the population. Um, Likewise in Paris. Mm. um, I don't know what the statistics are for all of France, but he just lists all these countries where it's like a growing trend or already like been that way for a minute. So it's just like, oh, yes, this is backing up my life. Yeah, it's like hard data that you can bank on. Exactly. That's amazing. And... 
And I guess it makes sense that the statistics would skew that way, but, um, and I can attest, you know, I'm on this road trip solo, even though I'm I'm married, uh, there are joys in doing things by yourself. Absolutely. Um, however, I will note, uh, I have come across many people who are very concerned, uh, like waiters at restaurants don't understand why I'm dining alone. Oh my gosh. And they're very upset about it. I have to, yeah. I have to comfort them a lot. Hilarious. Yeah. Why are you doing this alone? Why? Why? <laughs> and I'm thinking it's, I'm fine. It's okay. It's okay I'm to here. be alone. Um, so I, I love stuff like this that's geared toward people enjoying their own company. Exactly. Um, even though, yes, of course you want to cook for your people and your friends and your family. I still think it's important for us to be able to find joy with our own, like with ourselves, you know, Absolutely. and being on our own. And so I love that concept. I Thanks. Love it. I'm, I'm yeah. so excited to check it out once it's out. Thanks. It really is. I mean, I think my underlying theme beyond the solo thing, it really is about nurturing yourself yeah. and nourishing yourself in kind of, um, in creative ways, you know, like it can be really cathartic. You can kind of put your own stamp on how you cook. And I actually have had some married friends who were like, I'm so into this. Like, my wife travels all the time. Right. Or, you know, yeah, so. Because I do, I think that would be really, it, it's not just the single person who yeah. can enjoy a book like that. Because it's true, you know, I'm gone for six weeks. My husband is cooking for himself. Right. Um, and my dogs wish he was cooking for them, but he's not. <laughs> uh, so, so I think, yeah, I think th- there's definitely a larger audience too th- besides just, it's not depressing to me. Yeah, exactly. It, it's not depressing yeah. at all. It's actually kind of exciting to be able to have something that's just for you. Totally. It's special. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to check it out once it's, once it's in stores, yeah, which is very exciting. Uh, so I want to kind of talk about Philadelphia, which is where sure. we are today. Yeah. Um, and you said that it's kind of your home base, if you will, it, in between all of the other stuff. Yeah. But you also, your, your job is in New York, you're working remotely. So can you kind of talk about Philadelphia in terms of uh, why why you're here, why you want to be here, um, what it's like to create here? Sure, all sure, All of that sure. stuff. Um, so Philadelphia, let's see, I moved here. I'll give you my whole Philadelphia story. We moved here when I was 12. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was born in Connecticut, raised in, we moved from Connecticut when I was four. Then I feel like I was raised in Atlanta to a large extent because that's what I remember most from my childhood. Um, and then, like I said, we moved here when I was 12. My dad's a minister in the Episcopal church. And so we moved like when he was at a new church. And so Philadelphia was my first experience living in a city, Uh even though when we lived in, I barely remember New Haven, Connecticut. When we lived in Atlanta, technically we lived in the city of Atlanta, but Philadelphia was my first real urban experience in terms of like I could walk to school. I went to school. I actually went to a school that's still not far from where we live. Friend select and, um, like, the idea of hanging out with friends or by myself, like, without needing to ask my parents to drive me places. Right, right. Um, so it's been, a, it is the city that gave me the taste for city life and, like, city living. And it's the place that taught me that, oh, I'm a person who loves cities. I don't really drive. I don't drive, period. <laughs> my license has been expired for 
years. Um, but yeah, so that's a, one thing that I love about Philly. It's a very um, intimate, good-sized city. It is a great food town. Uh-huh. This is where I had... Actually, technically, my first food job was at this place called Food Stuffs way back in the day. I was a dishwasher. Yeah. Um, but this it was like a great neighborhood gourmet shop. And um, yeah, so that was my first entree into the food world. But yeah, this is a great food town. Like, there's so many good restaurants here. It's a little less in your face than New York. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to go digging a little bit here okay. to kind of find your scene or to see what's going on. Um, but it's so worthwhile because there are a lot of really amazingly creative people here, great writers, amazing musicians, The Roots. Um, I mean, The Roots are now in New York, but, you know, there's it's a city with a great history mm-hmm. of artistry, so that's pretty inspirational. Yeah. Um, it, there are amazing museums here. Um, it's a hell of a lot less expensive than New York, Absolutely. which is um, pretty awesome. It's also... <laughs> For me, at this particular moment, working on this cookbook, so I ended up being back here recently because um, my sublet ended in New York, like, unexpectedly. And I actually had an apartment lined up, and that fell through. Oh, man. So it was just like, um, all right, Mom, Dad. The world, the universe is telling you to... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so my mom has said, and I totally agree with her, that it's actually been kind of a rescue for me to be here. And I've really seen the past year as kind of like a very special writer's retreat. Um, And I also am very close with my mom and dad, and they've been a major support system for me. And I adore New York. The bulk of my friends live in New York, but it's at this time where, like, a lot of my friends are newly married or, like, they have new little people in their lives. Uh So in terms of needing a support system to kind of... So that you're not literally by yourself as a hermit finishing your book and, like, staying on your A-game for work... It's been good. Yeah. It's been good to be here. It's in a very special way. Yeah. And yeah. so as you've kind of, you, you said you kind of keep coming back here. Yeah. And so have you seen, uh, because where, I, where I'm in Sacramento, where I'm from, mm-hmm. um, we've seen kind of ebbs and flows in terms of like the creative scene. Sure. And so you have, have you seen that here where maybe there's a renaissance happening in, mm-hmm. in terms of people coming back to Philly or anything like that? Have you seen any trends? Um, I think... What's really fascinating for me, and this is, so this is me, this is my perspective when I am in New York. I've been in New York for eight years, so I think of this as like kind of my gap year away or I don't know. But like this whole Brooklyn thing, Uh I'm like, guys, Philadelphia, so much better, (laughs) so much cheaper. Right. Um, So... I guess what I'm seeing in Philly, it reminds me so much of Brooklyn. Brooklyn reminds me of Philly. But I see Philadelphia's kind of cool factor rising. And I definitely see a really vibrant creative scene here. And I feel like it's becoming... I don't, Mecca is probably not the right word. But I do think it's becoming a destination for people. Mm-hmm who are creative and they're all there have always been creative people here like it's not like this is a city that has needed 
Sure. You know, they're already Philadelphians who are amazing writers, painters, creators, filmmakers, you know, you name it. Um, But yeah, I feel like Philadelphia has a very strong creative scene and it's, it's a livable city. Right. So I think, I mean, it's got its issues like every other city, but um, yeah, I definitely feel like I haven't paid that close attention enough to say there's like, it's so much more vibrant than it was like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I can actually say when we first moved here, when I was 12, it felt super vibrant, like there also was more money in the city. Like, it, I mean, this was pre-recession, pre-recession. Right, you right. Know? I do feel like Philadelphia's kind of like, there is a resurgence of some kind, not just artistically, but also maybe economically, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think a lot of cities are maybe feeling that. Um, yeah. I know in Sacramento, it's definitely, there's something happening. Yeah. You can, it, it's tangible almost yeah. you can feel it right um and I think it, we are just far enough and I, you know I've talked with other people as well along the way here on this trip and it seems like everyone is just far enough away from the recession mm-hmm. to start see riding a wave a little bit that, yeah that um things are picking up a little bit and yeah um people are stepping out and doing things a little bit more and not yeah. um, not feeling like they need to be a hermit because they can't afford to do anything totally um so, uh, so yeah, it's interesting always to hear how different cities are, are shaping up after yeah. something like that. Totally. The thing that's been interesting for me is I keep reading about Philadelphia in outside of Philadelphia, uh-huh. you know, like Bon Appetit magazine or whatever, like all these, the things that people in Philadelphia know are cool are like getting the attention of people not in Philly. So that's really awesome. Right. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Sacramento's just getting that too, it's nice. kind of over the last couple of years. So um, it does feel good. Yeah. Um, and then I think, well, yeah, that's cool, but you should really try this. Exactly. <laughs> or whatever, you know. Exactly. Um, so that's always good to hear. Yeah. Cool. Well, so for those listening who are, you know, people are listening from all over the world and they might be thinking about starting a creative career or they're kind of elbow deep in like the really hard stuff. So if you had one bit of advice to give people, what would that advice be? Um, my advice, continue to, I think, cultivate whatever your vision for yourself is and be flexible, um, with how things turn out, you know, like I, and maybe learn to use what you see as negatives as positives. Like, Mm -hmm. so for example, the cooking solo book, two things. One, I was going to try to do a food memoir on my time in Paris or not I wasn't I was going to try to I did try to it got rejected by 30 different publishers 30 30 all right Rio um and it was devastating because I put so much time and energy into it and I was super passionate about it but nobody liked the idea but meanwhile I was sitting on I'm going to call it a gold mine of my own experience and you know I've been in relationships I've been not in relationships And I think I have been judgmental about being single and I, it took me some space to realize you can create something out of this. Mm -hmm. You can create literally something out of your own experience. And that's kind of the positive of where my cookbook came from. So I think, I don't know, allowing yourself to not be hard on yourself Mm -hmm. and to kind of be flexible in what your vision is 
yet also stay true to it and like allow yourself to add on to it. Also protect your energy. Don't compare yourself to other people and other people's paths. Yeah. And yeah, mostly don't be hard on yourself, but definitely don't compare yourself to others because it's really, you never know how your story or your creations or your art is going to turn out. Yeah, absolutely. So last question, what are the best places online to find out more about you and your work? Um, you can follow me on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, you are at? I'm at Clancy Cooks. Okay. K-L-A-N-C-Y Cooks, C-O-O-K-S. I'm also, I'm on Tumblr, clancy.tumblr. Okay. Um, and then I also am going to have a new website for my cookbook. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Okay. Which I'll tell you about because it's not ready yet. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Well, um, this episode will be um, going live a little bit later in okay, the year. Cool. So, um, so you can just send me the link. Just okay. keep me posted. Totally. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Clancy, for your time. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. This is awesome. That was Clancy, you guys. I'm so glad to have met her and learned more about her work. If you're interested in checking out all of Clancy's projects, she's definitely been sharing her journey over on Instagram, so check her out there. Her new website, which she mentioned in the interview, isn't quite ready yet, but I've linked up to everywhere else you can find her work online, including the Amazon page where you can pre-order her amazing book over in the show notes at creatingyourownpath.com. As she mentioned, it comes out spring of next year, so be sure to snag a copy. And remember, if you've enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button on iTunes, share it online, or tell a real live friend about the show. Thanks for listening, you guys, and I'll catch you next time.